Bang bang, what is up you guys? Welcome to the very first of our uh, spooky season movie review. At least I think that's what we settled on calling it. If not, I'm probably going to call it some sort of variation on that several times. Uh, but my name is Scrump. This is Stank. And we're joined by a very special guest uh, with us today. When we were thinking about, like, all right, let's do these like scary movie reviews, uh, one name that just kept coming up regardless of the movies we were talking about was, of course, uh, the Purple Poppy himself. He's been on before. Uh, I I told him countless times, like, I just, I love podcasting with him because most of our day is just talking bullshit anyway. And uh, my favorite podcast that he was on is one that he's, like, technically not on. It's the one that we did with Taffy where uh, the man was lit like a Christmas tree and was just in the background. And I think at one point just, like, fell asleep, maybe on the balcony, maybe inside. I don't remember. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know him, the one and the only Matt Nix. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, normally I, I, I go by the moniker of Marvelous Matt Nix. But if you follow me on Twitter... Since it is spooky season, uh, you will now see that I'm now being referred to as murderous Matt Nix. Oh, that's not good. You might be in uh, indicted for something. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you yeah, might, maybe. Yeah, you might be implicating yourself and uh, in a murder. Listen, I just for your sake, I hope nobody mysteriously dies um, around you because that would well, one, you'd probably go to jail, and then two, we'd probably have to yeah. take down that awesome picture of you slapping the figure four or Cody slapping the figure four on you. <laughs> No, that's uh, never take, getting taken down. Yes, thank you. You haven't been into the office yet. And most uh, everyone listening here, unless you work with us, you also haven't either. But uh, there's now in the back proudly being displayed the photo, the the giant canvas that Nick got blown up of him and Cody wrestling at a AEW uh, Dynamite where, again, Nick should have gone into business for himself and just pink. Should have stretched him, brother. Should have stretched <laughs> Missed him. opportunity. But you know what? Uh, like, the pleasant thing is that there's still time for Cody versus Nick's, you know, Cody's doing his open invitational and, uh, he's got the belt back. So all I'm saying is if you want something to put on TV, you give me a call. Yeah, we can definitely, I, David, I think you can make a call or two and and try and get that made. Uh, but, (laughs) but, uh, we're not here, unfortunately to talk about Matt Nick's, uh, eventually winning the TNT, uh, championship. We're talking about house of a thousand corpses, uh, what are before you know we get into like actually talking about it? What are your guys' history with it? Because I know Nick, you, uh, <laughs> you actually watched the wrong movie at first. Or, <laughs> okay, st- uh, Stank, you go first, and then I'll I'll dive into my little background story on this. Well, I'm I'm trying to rack my brain, and I guess I could just Google it real quick. But I, I think it didn't it come out in like '99 or 2000 or something. It came out in '03. Oh well. I mean, that's still pretty... That's all the same time, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I remember, so, like, around around 99, 2000, was, I graduated in 99, and we were all hanging out in pool halls, and we were all listening to uh, Dragula constantly. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, anyone that knows me, that's not my typical type of music I listen to, but I, I did love that era of, like, Rob Zombie just rocking out. Um, so when I heard he was doing a horror movie called house of a thousand corpses and it kind of had that, like that grindhouse drive up movie feel, um, I was all in on it. So like, I've probably seen it in theaters, you know, at the initial release, maybe three or four times with my friends. And, um, 
pretty much every time it's come out on a physical piece of medium, I've I've purchased it. Oh, so uh, I've got I've got a long love affair with this movie. I think it's rated like twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, really? But but don't let that fool you because a lot of the best movies are rated like that. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's picked up a, a cult following. So, I mean, that's kind of my personal history with it. Dave, my biggest takeaway from that is that I also graduated in 99, but from kindergarten. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm old as shit. <laughs> uh, Nick, what about yourself? Okay, so when you asked me about doing this, you are just like, hey, do you want to do House of Thousand Corpses? I was like, yeah, totally. That movie is awesome. And <laughs> I was like... Uh, I found it on online to to, uh, to stream it, and we were, I was watching it. I started with my girlfriend Nicole, and she didn't really give a heck about the movie, but she was just like, we were watching it together. And I'm like five minutes into the movie, and I'm just like, I don't think I've ever seen this movie before. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I think what it was is that I know I've seen Devil's Rejects on multiple occasions, and I think that just like in normal life and in pop culture, I've seen bits and pieces of house of a thousand corpses just in, in some way or shape or form. And I think I just kind of like thought that I had seen the movie at that point. And just cause there's so many movies that I've seen mm-hmm. that like, I, I could be like, I think I seen that movie or like, I just, you know, my brain just is not what it used to be. I told Berto, I was like, never, never get a concussion, please. Cause uh, <laughs> this is what happens. You forget things. But I was like, Oh, I was kind of stoked though. Cause I was like, okay, cool. I'll have like a, a genuine fresh perspective coming in on this. Uh, to talk about a movie that uh, that I thought I saw, but I didn't see, but I did see now. See, I like funny enough. A few days I posted. Uh, I've been doing like the whole thirty-one days of horror movies. So far, I've stuck to it, and I've I've been consistent with it. But the night that I was rewatching this, just to like take some notes, I posted it, and one of my friends, Louis Medina, he messaged me. He was like, "Oh man, I have to check that out. I haven't seen it." And him, much like you, he forgets a lot of things. But with him, it's because he just smokes so much. Uh, also. Yeah, he's just, he's just always high and forgets things. And I was like, I saw this movie with you. But uh, he actually, <laughs> like, he introduced, because, so for those of you who know where House of Thousand Corpses came out in um, 2003, it's written and directed by Rob Zombie. It's the first in a trilogy. Uh, you know, it's House of Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and then uh, Three from Hell. And the I, the first installment in this franchise that I saw was The Devil's Rejects, and it was at Lewis's house. Like, I slept over his house, and he just he put it on, and I was just like, holy shit. So I didn't see House of a Thousand Corpses until after I'd already seen Devil's Rejects, which is fine, really. Like, if, if any of you, like, have seen one or the other, like, it's... Technically, I could say the same thing. <laughs> exactly. You, you know, you've done the same thing, but they're... Two totally different movies. Yeah. Uh, like for those of you who have seen uh, the Devil's Rejects, it's it's definitely horror. It's gory, uh, but it's more of like a drama. I guess I don't know what do you guys say. It's more like of a it, drama. It's it's definitely a better movie. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's definitely learned a couple tricks since House of a Thousand Corpses. It's less campy too. Well, the, see, so the, the thing is as well too is the movie was initially filmed in two thousand. But it didn't come out till 2003, and uh, like a little you know trivia behind that was uh, the film got shelved um, because they feared uh, an NC-17 rating. And like if you've seen the movie, which I would hope everyone listening to this has seen the movie, otherwise you're just confused. But hey, 
you know. Maybe you just like hearing our voices. Maybe you like hearing our voices. That's fine. Um, but the movie, yeah, it was shelved and <laughs> um, just didn't come out for those three years. And in that time frame, um, Rob Zombie was able to purchase back the rights and eventually distributed the film himself through Lionsgate. So, Dave, you weren't wrong with the movie coming out in 2000. It's when it was supposed to work. That must be where it was burned in my head. I mean, like, a little backstory, too. Like, he went to Universal just to pitch, like, a haunted house attraction. And then somehow he got into talks with someone high up in Universal. And they said, hey, uh, do you got any ideas for a movie? And, like, on the spot. He had the name House of a Thousand Corpses. And then he just bullshitted his way through, like, an elevator pitch. And then they said, we'll film that. <laughs> so, Well, like, I know I've, I've never gone myself, but uh, normally Universal Studios around this time, they would do their, like, a different themed, like, haunted houses. You know, I know in, in years past, like, they've done House of Thousand Corpses. I specifically remember last year, uh, Andrew, who works at the shop, and he's probably listening to this right now, but Andrew yeah. was telling me how, uh, like, him and his fiance. see, Andrew, I called her your fiance, not your girlfriend, so you're welcome. But Andrew's telling me how, like, they wanted to go down there for that because they do, like, a whole Horror Nights theme. I know in, in years past they've done, like, Jeepers Creepers, the Saw franchise, American Horror Story. And so, like, it makes sense. It makes sense that you would do House of a Thousand Corpses, like, as a scary, like, you know, as a yeah. haunted house. More yeah. so than you would Devil's Rejects because, again, the, the whole tone of this movie is just it's cheesy, it's campy. It almost reminds me of, like, uh, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but just turned up like a few notches because they, it was like Texas Chainsaw Massacre mixed with like uh, fear and loathing almost. Yes. Like there's very trippy parts in it with like random things just intercut. And Dave, like you, you make a good point that by the time you get to Devil's Rejects, which is his second film, like you can very much tell that like whatever weird artsy like experimental stuff he had in mind kind of goes by the wayside and like it, it pops yeah. up again in some of his other films. Like I, I would probably even say in like three from hell for, for any of you guys who, who have seen it. Like um, it's like a weird amalgamation of everything that he's done, but there's definitely like uh, some elements of like house of a thousand corpses, clearly not to yeah. the point of like uh, weird segments where two old people are talking about some sort of ape man uh, molesting, you know, this older woman, um, but it definitely it's there because I like I don't know about you guys, but like I like Rob Zombie as a um, oh, yeah. a filmmaker. He he did that reboot of Halloween. Halloween the first one was yeah really, really good. good. I I actually genuinely enjoy that, and I feel like from what I've seen from his stuff, I most of the stuff I would be like, yeah, I think he knows what he's doing. He, I enjoy it enough. There's nothing offensively bad, like nothing that I'm like, oh, this like he's a great uh, director. I also- yeah. The, the- the thing about like a thousand house of a thousand corpses too is like it's very I don't want to say it's self indulgent but it's very much all the cultural things that he likes on his sleeve you know it it's kind of like um, it's like walking into a hellbilly tattoo shop <laughs> MTV music video you know what I mean like and like when people when I've talked about this with other people house of a thousand corpses is very much like batman 66 with adam west (laughs) there's weird dutch angles and they're doing like crazy 
zany things. And then like Devil's Rejects is like Christopher Nolan Batman. You know what I mean? He's very much he graduated. Um, but there's like a lot of camp in this first one that we're talking about. And I, I, he also said like he didn't realize it was getting oddly darkly humorous. <laughs> and that's oh, just yeah. kind of the way that's just the way it went throughout the filming of it. And he's like, he's like, whatever, it works for me. So see, Rob Zombie's someone who like Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino like have their following. You know, yeah. and I mean less more Kevin Smith, less Quentin Tarantino. But like I there's a lot of times where like if you go see a Kevin Smith film you know what you're getting, you know, like you're one, it's, you're going to, you're bound to see the same reoccurring cast of characters, which is a thing, you know, Rob Zombie puts a lot of the same people in the movies, specifically his wife, Sherry Moon Zombie. She's in, you know, most, most of the movies I've seen of his, she's in them. You know, like she plays like Michael Myers mom in, in, in the Halloween remakes. And she's in all three of the, you know, the devil, whatever trilogy. Um, but it's that it's it's a specific flavor. Like if you're someone going in cold and you've never seen uh, a Rob Zombie movie and you have no idea who Rob Zombie is, it might be a little bit weird for you. You know, like especially if you start with like House of a Thousand Corpses and because not all of his movies are in that or filmed that way. You know, like you mentioned, it is a little bit more Batman sixty six. Uh, but like, yeah, I I, I definitely. If you're a fan of of this movie and you haven't seen any like Devil's Rejects or anything like that, I would definitely check them out because, uh, again, just where he takes it from, it's very much like you mentioned, Dave, graduating mm-hmm. because, like, it, it almost feels like one of those old like old movies that they don't make anymore, where it's just yeah. it's not a blockbuster. Like I would never describe it as like a blockbuster. It's just I'm gonna tell this story and. That's that. Well, that's. I mean, like well, he. He's. I'm sorry, Dave. I didn't mean to cut you off. He, no, you're good. He. Uh, he has said before too that like he draws a lot of his inspiration from stuff that he grew up loving, which is like those like C, C movie horror flicks or like grindhouse movies. Uh, and this movie is like for sure. It was his first movie, right? Mm-hmm. And it definitely yeah. is like a love letter to that shit that he grew up watching and loving and stuff. It. It, it was. My girlfriend had said she was like she's like it's it's a little corny like and cheesy and there's like not a lot of substance to it but i was like but that's kind of what that genre of movie is like those slasher movies is it's really much it's it's people in a situation shit happens in that situation and then it ends that there really is no like deeper story a lot of the times um and i feel like this movie was kind of like that too but it, it like he, like it was literally just paying homage to the shit that he loved when he was growing up which like yeah, so, no go ahead. Well, Dave. so like, this, to be honest, like this movie was critically panned when it came out, and it's it's now got a cult following. And then, conversely, I think Devil's Rejects got really well received, and people were kind of surprised at how much better the quality of the movie is, and like the the storytelling. So like Nick, I'm I'm kind of interested since you saw Devil's Rejects first. One, like, were you confused as to like what the what the fuck are these people? <laughs> and then, like, two, going back and seeing House of a Thousand Corpses, you know, retroactively, uh, like, what was your thoughts about like, kind of, the evolution of those two movies? 
I mean, well, I definitely like didn't really like notice uh, when I was watching Devil's Rejects about it being like a continuation of a story almost. Like I kind of just like saw it as like a movie, and but like now knowing like like getting being older and knowing that like oh this is connected to this movie and this you know and then watching it recently you can definitely be like oh like I'm drawing conclusions with characters and stuff but uh, you can definitely tell like the the quality is is improved in in Devil's Rejects as it is from House of a Thousand Corpses but I wouldn't say that I don't like I don't want to say it's like drier in the first movie but like it it is in a way but it almost like lends itself to the, like to this to the what's happening in the movie like it's it, it makes it feel more genuine and authentic I don't know if that makes sense <laughs> no it definitely does and yeah. like uh Dave kind of just touching on, on on what you were saying like it's almost to me, or no, no, it's Nick. How you were mentioning it's like hey, your first film. You're just throwing in all the shit you love. Like the aforementioned directors that I named, Kevin Smith and uh, Quentin Tarantino. You look at Reservoir Dogs and Clerks, and it's it's very much that. Like a lot of references to the shit they like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're talking about comic books and Star Wars, and just very much that the the style that you're gonna see for years to come. And I would almost compare like, like, you know, clerk, let's let's do clerks and house of a thousand corpses where they're just, it's their first go at it. And it is very much just like, I'm going to talk about the shit I like. I'm going to fucking, it's, it's that my personality turn up to a 10. And if you like it, awesome. If you don't fuck you, I got to make a movie and that's what matters. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get to, you know, devil's rejects and then clerks too. Cause the same thing with me. Like I saw clerks too first. And then went back and saw oh, Clerks, yeah. you know. So and it's it it's I very much see like the similarities with those two. I mean, compared to like Tarantino, though, it's I I feel like it's almost immediately. Yeah, he knocked it out the park. He knocked yeah. it out the park with the first one, and then just s- keeps knocking it out of the park every single time. Like he's like, he's a director where because you you look at Rob Zombie's films and not all of them have been hits, uh, and like I the, I the one thing I admire about him is that he always tries. Like there's some mm-hmm. directors where you can definitely he's like, oh okay, they needed to pay off their uh their beach house, and it's very much they're they're like phoning it in. But with him, most most of them, it's something unique, something different. It's his take on it, which again, like someone who he's he's a musician, and you very much see like a lot of musicians kind of try to change things up or do something different. Like there's artists who will put out the same album you know, X amount of times and the same people will come and buy that. But there's also people who are like experimental, you know, like when, like when Kanye West came out with 808 and heartbreak, there was people like myself, I, I wasn't a fan. Cause I was like, so used to this style, mm-hmm. but like now I like, as time has passed, it's like, Oh, you know what? Like that was very much a, a, a breath of fresh air. And like with Rob Zombie and his cult following, like I, I think as time goes on, like a lot of the, the lesser known films, like uh, I think Lords of Salem is one of them. I, I personally haven't seen it. Like we'll get a little bit of more like, Oh, you know what? It wasn't that bad. Cause like, I know personally with me, the the second Halloween that he did, all I remember was like this weird subplot with like a unicorn <laughs> like or a white horse. I don't know. Do, yeah. do you guys know what I'm talking I think, about? Yeah. I don't remember exactly, but, and so like, but I remember watching it and not really being a fan of it at first and like i've talked to people who are like rewatch it like it 
it's not as bad as you remember. Like it's definitely not. They definitely didn't make a third one for a reason. Mm-hmm. But it, it's also like, oh, okay, it wasn't that bad. Um, but I, I guess you know we should just get into the movie now. And again, mind yeah. you, this is the first time Dave and I have done any sort of uh, like movie review. You know, we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, we have no idea what we're doing. I think we've done a pretty good job. At least like our well, our. This is- it's our house of a thousand corpses. Yes. Yeah. This is our house of a thousand corpses. Let's hope that uh, by the time we get to the second one, it'll be more Devil's Rejects and it is three from hell because, <laughs> uh, you know, like when Nick was like, "Oh, he's like, I accidentally started watching, or I, I was, I watched Devil's Rejects, not House of a Thousand Corpses." I was like, listen, with the way I am, I'm probably gonna wind up talking like a bunch of Devil's Rejects yeah. as well, specifically because these two connect, um, right, with it, but. Uh, just like a brief summary of the plot. Uh, it's October 30th, 1977. Uh, where, you know, there's these two criminals trying to rob a gas station. We're introduced to Captain Spaulding, who's played by, uh, the late great Sid Hag. We talked about him. Can, can we, can I jump in here really quick? Yeah. So specifically Captain Spaulding, uh, I, forever have seen like his face on everything, like people with tattoos of him and everything and like and I, that's why i was very confused when i was watching like before i was like i feel like i've seen this guy before but like i didn't know from what um goddamn was he not the most incredibly entertaining thing in that movie like literally the best part of that movie was just anything with him i would say between the first two between that and devil's rejects like he he plays a lesser role in this one um and i think Based off this one, people were just like, yo, we want more Captain Spaulding because, uh, like, there is, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it later, but through, like, the, the fan wiki and, you know, people going to conventions and stuff and interviews from Rob Zombie, like, he plays a much larger role in the second one as, and I'll, I'll, I'll get into it, because um, it's never really, like, outright talked about. It's never really, like, said in any of the movies. But he's the father of uh, of baby of Sherry Moon yeah. Zombie, and like they again, they just they don't ever like outright say it. They don't ever talk about it. It's just through supplemental material and from the man himself. Like he is the father figure because um, one of Doctor Satan's. Uh, so I'm gonna jump a little bit to that. At, at the at the end, you see. Uh, one of Doctor Satan's like helpers or whatever, the guy who chases mm-hmm. um, Denise yeah. with the axe. So that I thought, I thought that was Tiny. No, so that is. Oh, that's Earl Firefly. Yeah, that's Earl Firefly. That's Tiny's dad, the one who set him on fire. Oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So with well, him, I will say, I will say, she does call him dad in Devil's Rejects. Yeah, correct. But they, you know, mm. they they never really like. House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, yeah. they never really like delve into it. And uh, Otis, he plays. You know, he as a kid watched over Baby. So you know, so he's always been like very protective of her. You can see it because they have that brother brother sister dynamic from Jump Street, from when you're introduced mm-hmm. in front to them in this film, and then the next one. And there's a specific scene in Devil's Rejects where. I, <laughs> It just started talking to Devil's Rejects. Like I said, <laughs> don't worry, we'll, we'll get to us when those are corpses. But there's a specific scene, uh, the ending where uh, Freebird is playing and mm-hmm. they're about to have that giant shootout with the police. And the uh, 
there was there was an interview with Rob Zombie where he talks about how for the, their whole life, their whole relationship, Otis and Captain Spaulding always butted heads. And you see that throughout all out of uh, Devil's Rejects. They're just constantly at each other's throats, butting heads. And I guess it was one of those things where Otis saw himself as like, I'm, I'm the man of the, you know, I'm the man of the house. Uh, I'm, I'm in charge. And him giving Otis his uh, shotgun was like a symbolic sign of like, okay, no, like handle he, business. Son. Like, yeah, like you, yep. you've been the one, like I, I approve basically because um, as much as, you know, uh, Captain Spaulding is around, you never really see him interact uh, with the family. Like he's, right. he doesn't show up, you know, he shows up at the end of this and he's clearly the one like leading them to the family. But um, right. just thought it was interesting. And uh, so I, I got one sentence into uh, <laughs> into the synopsis. <laughs> into the plot summary and just kind of got all over the place. But uh, please continue. Yeah. So Captain Spaulding, he has this gas station. It's uh, It's held up by uh two robbers they recognize one of the robbers and captain spaulding shoots him and you know the, the famous line of fuck you fuck your mama fuck your sister and most importantly fuck you just shoots him in the face uh and then right after that you know they're cleaning up the mess we're introduced to jerry goldsmith uh bill hudley mary knows and denise willis um denise and mary not really prominent like as far as i know I, i've not really seen them much anything else if Guys- I, I did a, a deep dive into all these people like well, as I was watching the movie because I was like, oh, shit, is that fucking Rain Wilson? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Cause- yeah. I think this was like his first movie, too. Yeah. You have the character of Bill, uh, who's played by Rain Wilson, and Jerry, played by Chris Hardwick. I know Chris Hardwick had Rob Zombie on his podcast. They're, like fr- they're friends in real life. Oh, yeah, they're friends. And this this was his first movie. And it's oh, it's like chubby Chris Hardwick before yeah. he like got into shape and stuff. Uh, but you meet them and they're like going around uh, that they, they want to write a book on like offbeat roadside attractions. Uh, and so, of course, you know, they, they meet Captain Spaulding and he has the, the Museum of Monsters and Mad Men, just local fucking like. Oh, he gives them the best line that I, I dude I literally had to pause the movie because I was laughing where he's like, oh, he's like, how long you've been doing this, man? He goes, shit, I don't know. How long's a string? And he goes, I don't know. How long? He goes, too damn long. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing. I mean, Captain Spot, they give him good lines in this. You know, like even there's later, he's like talking to the cops and he's just like, I don't rightly know. After like they start, they, <laughs> you know, they're being smart asses with them and he's kind yeah. of cooperating with them. Uh, but, you know, he shows them it's all like serial killers and things like that. They mentioned like Albert Fish, which if you guys don't know who Albert Fish is, Go look that shit up. Because, yeah, totally fucked up. Um, But they mentioned the legend of Dr. Satan, who was, uh, he worked at, like, a mental institution and would perform these, like, fucked up experiments on his patients. And he was hung on, they hung him on a tree and they went back the next day and couldn't find the body. You know, so these four kids are are super intrigued about it. And they're like, oh, shit, like, where's the tree? Can can you show us? And he, he writes them a map and warns them not to go up there but of course like they're gonna do it because you know it's funny too like sorry i didn't mean to jump ahead no here. no go ahead so like at, at the end when they see him there mm-hmm. and me for like my brain just not working ever i was like 
how the fuck is that guy like still alive? Like probably he's going to be like super old. And then I forgot that the movie was set in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So then like, if this happened in like the fifties or sixties, that was only, that's only like 10, 20 years, probably roughly yeah. that, that time, that time would have gone by. Like this guy could have very much still be doing what he was doing. And I was like, Oh, I guess that makes sense. Well, I will say there is like a, spe- there is at least to me, like a certain beauty of horror movies that are filmed before the age of like, HD and stuff. No, no, no. That, but the age before cell phones, because yeah, like post cell phone horror movies, you have no excuse. To, like, why didn't they just call? And they always do something where like, uh, oh, no signal out here, no signal. Or like, I I recently watched a movie You're Next, and they're like, oh, they use a cell phone jammer. <laughs> it's like okay, sure, you can only you but you can only do that so much before it's just like, oh. They they also had no signal. How convenient! Like yeah. I, I very much like these older ones because these these four kids have no idea what the con of a cell phone is. They can try their hardest to get like a landline or a payphone, but like would it just it adds to that? Like you know, I, I I don't know about you guys. I always think like, fuck, what would I do in that situation? Like that genuine feeling of just like, well, shit, now what? Yeah, like like what what right. what do you do in those situations where you? you can't call the police you can't call you know mom dad someone to be like oh my god you know i'm about to die i love you or something like there's no one you can call because it's just it's not something that's like available to you at the time um but you know so so they go drive to to look for the tree where dr satan was hung uh one of the tires goes out well they pick up the they pick up baby on the way yeah. Yeah. So they, they pick up baby. Yeah. I'm sorry. They uh, on the way. There's like a, a young, spirited, uh, hot blonde chick. You know, she introduces herself as baby, and clearly you can tell she's she's outgoing. Like the re- you know, unlike the rest of them, like yeah, the Denise and Mary. Mary more so. Uh, the character Mary's like really like uptight. Yeah. You know, like uh, off- real bitch kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna say let's just say that. Yeah, Mary. Real wet blanket. Real yeah. wet blanket. Um. But the tire goes out, and then baby's like, "Oh well, shit! I don't live too far away from here, and my brother Rufus has a pickup truck or a tow truck. He can help pick you up." So, uh, baby and Bill go to the Firefly House to to get fucking um, what's his name, Rufus. The Firefly Fun House. Yeah, and oh shit, I have not put that together. I as I was watching the movie, I was like, I wonder if that's where he got the name from. Huh. Probably. Oh wow, I've. <laughs> just, just put that together. Yeah, it went, it went over my head. Um, but it's then that you know we're at the Firefly. I'm gonna call it the Firefly Funhouse now. At the House of the Fireflies, that you meet Otis, Otis Driftwood. Um, he's I would say the the main antagonist. You know, he's definitely the ringleader. Like, yeah, putting everything together. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys noticed. So between this film and the second one drastic change in his appearance because in this yeah. film they make him like this crazy albino looking guy yeah he looked like like the crypt keeper but like kind of younger <laughs> yes like he looked like what the crypt keeper would have looked like before he was all like Grip, decrepit and shit yeah and then by the second film he's just a normal he's tanned. he's got a long beard yeah he's a normal dude like like the one thing I noticed was specifically was like his facial hair like you could very much tell it was like makeup that it was put on because it was just so like stringy and yeah and gross um yeah but so you're introduced to him you're introduced to tiny who's their deformed half brother 
Um, tiny who is not so tiny. Not so tiny. This guy's yeah. he's been in he's been in a lot of movies. I, I he he walked into the room and it like we're just sitting there and it's quiet. I go, Well, that's tiny, I presume. <laughs> uh you meet Grandpa Hugo, who's just this like crazy I liked him. He was funny. Yeah, he's just this like crazy old grandpa. You know, you've you've seen the that specific character in, in all sorts of mediums. Uh but you meet Mother Firefly as well, who I was under the impression that she was played by um, what's her name Jennifer Coolidge, who was Stifler's mom. Oh, she definitely looked like her. Yeah, wasn't at all. She was played by uh, an actress by the name of Karen Black. And again, like the the whole time, I was just like, "Oh, that's Stifler's mom." And then when I was taking notes for all this, I was like, "Oh wait." I thought I for sure like that's why I was looking up like the cast list like on Wikipedia as I was watching it because the girl who's like the last girl to stay alive. I was like convinced that she was the girl from uh, Freaks and Geeks because she they just oh, looked Linda so Cardellini. similar. Yeah, and mm-hmm. but it definitely was not. But I was like, oh, I wonder if that's. Her. I was like, that's so so crazy. But no, I I, I, I mean no, I, I'm totally with you there because like I remember watching Devil's Reach and then watching this. I actually had to look it up because I wasn't convinced that it was Bill Mosley who played both roles again. Just. Yeah, from the makeup part of it, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, and then I, I mentioned Sherry Moon Zombies, the one who plays Baby Firefly. Yeah. She's uh, you know, she's in mostly all of his movies. Again, I haven't seen them all, but she, I, I would say this is her most iconic role, probably. Yeah. Um, but so they're introduced to you know the Firefly family. You know, they they tell the story of how Tiny was uh burned alive Basically. along with the house, um they eventually wind up bringing everyone back to the house and they put on like a, a Halloween show, which this all, this whole part of the movie I was like really into. I thought it was like really f- like creepy, but like innocent at the same time. But it was still like that anticipation building of like, okay, this is like super weird and you could tell they're getting uncomfortable and something's going to happen. That's going to just like turn the tide of this movie. Well, especially because, like, off the bat, they're like, oh, shit. They're like, it's Halloween Eve. And, like, the house the house looks like something you'd see, like, out of the Munsters. Like, yeah. Clearly, yeah. These, clearly these people are super into Halloween and super into, like, all that. And that's what they're doing. They're putting on a show. And it's uh, – Baby starts flirting with, uh, with Bill. Like the whole, even leading up to it, like there's a scene, yeah. like when they first show up, she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go change out of these wet clothes because it's raining," mm-hmm. and she shows up in like pajamas that barely fit, a shirt that's barely being held together. And uh, for those of you who have not seen Cherry Moon Zombie, she is a, uh, she's very easy on the eyes. She uh, is what yes. the kids like to call a smoke show. Yes, she is a smoke show, and well holstered. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's a a well-oiled painting as a yeah. as a one William Regal used to used to call the divas back when they were divas on NXT. That is a up next reference for those of you guys who, <laughs> who listen to that. Um but there's a yeah, so what what's her fucking name? Mary, she gets all angry and she threatens baby and you know there's a whole kerfuffle going on. She totally just ruins everything. Like I was like who does that? Exactly. Like, listen, clearly these people out of their fucking minds. Yeah. Like, you're going to antagonize them? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I, I would have fucking hit that girl. Shut up. Yeah. But then that, you know, Rufus, like, bursts into the room. Very dramatic. He's just like, your car's ready. And uh, they leave. And, you know, it's like, a, it's a whole commotion. 
and the gate isn't open. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, oh, all right. And then you see these scarecrows jump out and start fucking running at them. And it, that was it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's Otis in tiny disguise. Then uh, they take him away. You know, the next day you have uh, Mary who she wakes up. She's tied up in a barn. And uh, Denise, she's in the house. And I believe it was Denise. Yeah. She had the dunce cap on her head. Yep, she had the she's dunce cap on her head. Uh, she, you know, she's asking for, for her boyfriend, Jerry, who he gets scalped partially, you know, yeah, when baby's like, what? she's like, who's my favorite movie star? And I think he, he asses Marilyn Monroe and she's like, nope, I, I forget who it was that, that she said was the favorite actress. Oh shit. I completely skipped over the scene. Uh, <laughs> Bill, uh, yeah. So, Wilson. <laughs> yeah. So Mary, she's, uh, she's asking for Bill. She's tied up and she's like, where, where's Bill? I want to see Bill. Otis threatens her. He's like, I'm going to fucking take that out of your mouth. But like, if you make a noise, I'm going to fucking skin you alive. Like Otis clearly like, uh, Rob Zombie's favorite character. Cause he gets all the best lines. Yeah. Like, uh, similarly, like I almost feel, and I don't know about you guys. Do you think Rob Zombie intended to play this role himself? Possibly. And they probably talked him out of it. Like studio. I, I don't know. Like, I think he has a great reverence for Bill Mosley. Like, so like we were mentioning earlier, his difference in, in appearance between this movie and devil's rejects. I think it was more of an homage to like Bill Mosley played chop top in Texas chainsaw massacre two, And he looks very similar to that character, like just real pasty and stringy gross hair. Um, more of a hillbilly in this, but like, um, I, I really think he just likes that actor and he works, he works really well for this movie too. Yeah, so. no, that's definitely also probably true. Yeah. I mean, he works because yeah. oftentimes you see like sometimes directors will put themselves in movies and I mean, yeah. Rob Zombie did put himself in this movie. Spoiler. He, he plays uh Dr. Satan's assistant at the end, you know, but it's in costume. You don't, you know, you don't actually see the man as opposed to like a Tarantino or Kevin Smith who outright like, they're just front and center. Yeah. I mean, like famously Kevin Smith who played both uh silent Bob and Kevin Smith, uh, in Jay and silent Bob reboot, like yeah. just full on going with it. Um, but yeah, uh, again, Otis, a fucking sociopath. Like I, I not really talked about it. Like he is just full on mutilating people. Like there is a, a bunch of cheerleaders that they've kidnapped who at the beginning of the movie, you hear like in the background, like the cheerleaders from blah, 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 like still missing Texas cheerleaders still missing. Um, he's like mutilated a bunch of them. And what I assume is uh, he's fucking those corpses. Like there's yeah. very much the implication of necrophilia going on. Something. Um, yeah, definitely something. And, so yeah, you have Mary. You know, where's where's Bill? Where's Bill? I want to see Bill, and he's just like, oh, let me fucking show you Bill. Uh, and he's sewed him. Dave, you're a fan of taxidermy. Uh, <laughs> okay. Would you consider this taxidermy? Yeah, it's very. So it's a very um, overt reference, I think, to uh, what people know as the Fiji mermaid. Yeah, I they, think so. They took uh, a fish and sewed it to a monkey. And so they did the same thing with Rain Wilson. Now, as grotesque as this whole scene is, because, like, just imagine Rain Wilson shirtless and just gross and dying. Uh-huh. He's, but he's also got this giant fish, and I'm wondering, where did they get this big fucking fish from? 
in the middle of Texas. This thing is gigantic. But um, yeah, it, it set him up in a grotesque display, and he, he's clearly dead. Um, and she's just screaming in horror at this giant homage to the Fiji mermaid, <laughs> which is great. Uh, it's at this point where uh, we forgot to mention uh, when they were at the gas station when you know they first meet Captain Spaulding. Denise is on the phone with her father, you know, telling her like, "Oh yeah, you know, we, we stopped by here, but it's you know weird museum. We're gonna check this out, and then you know, on our way home." And the dad, he's a former cop, so he's like, okay, you know, just keep in touch with me. Let me know. I believe they were supposed to be home, like, that night. Yeah. Because they weren't that far from where she lived. Uh, because he, he shows up a which, little bit Yeah, later. which is evident by him showing yeah. up to the house. Uh, so, yeah, he reports her missing, and there's two deputies. George Wydell, who his brother plays plays the antagonist in, in, part, in, the, in the second part. And you have Steve Nash, Nash. I, I don't know how it's pronounced. They don't ever say his last name, but Steve, who's uh, who's played by Walton Goggins, who awesome actor. Uh, I, these are the cops. Yeah, the cops. I, is that guy the guy that plays the Mayhem commercials? Because it looks just like him. No, he's um, he's in Vice Principals. Have you ever seen that show? Uh, no. Is that with uh, uh with the what's his face, Danny McBride? Yeah, I he, he's. He's one of the guys. He's also. He's, have you ever seen Sons of Anarchy? Uh the first episode. <laughs> oh. He plays a, a transvestite hooker. In there. Oh hell he's yeah! Great. All right. Wait, he's great, wait, great who, in everything. Wait, who? Walton Goggins or? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. I mean, I know him from like he's in a lot of Tarantino stuff. Like, I really love. Oh yeah, Hateful Eight. Yeah, I really yeah. love him in, in Hateful Eight. Like he plays like the bumbling fucking. He's like my daddy gave me uh, like I'm the. I'm the executioner now of the town. He's like, I just, he's, and they're like, you don't have a horse. He's like, my horse ran away. <laughs> but like my favorite part is like it, him in hateful eight is just like how he's constantly just antagonizing Samuel Jackson's character. Cause he yes. does, he does not hide his racism. And there's like a whole subplot in that movie where, he, where Samuel Jackson's like, I've got a letter that was written to me by president Lincoln. And just the whole time he's always just like, you're telling me, Abraham Lincoln, the president of the United States, wrote you, a black man, a handwritten letter? Just constantly, <laughs> just like busting this guy's balls. And even when, like, it's spoiler alert, reveal that, like, he made up the whole thing and it wasn't written by Lincoln. Even he's just like, I fucking knew it, you know? But, uh, Walton Goggins, he's awesome. He's also an Ant Man, too. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they show up to Captain Spaulding's and they're in, they're questioning him, interrogating him, and this is the scene again where uh, Captain Spaulding gives them the information that they need. You know, nothing really to suggest he's uh, complicit with what the Firefly Firefly family is uh, doing to them. You know, he tells them, "Hey, they they heard of the legend of Doctor Satan and these stupid kids wanted to go check it out, so they went and checked it out." Um, one of my favorite lines is, "He should." Uh, what is it? Sheriff Whitehouse shows him a picture of uh, Denise. He's like, have you seen this girl? He's like, oh yeah. He's like, sorry. He's like, not really, <laughs> not really my type. He's like, I like him a little bit more thick, you know? He's like more, uh, more, he's like, more pushing forward the cushion. Yeah. He's like, oh, ho, ho, ho. yeah. And just so fucking sleazy. And because gross. that that's who the character is. You know, he's just this like sleazy clown who like owns this random gas station where they sell fucking fried chicken and they've got like a horror museum in the back. Like I dude, that chicken looks so good. Yeah. Every yeah. time I thought of 
want some of that chicken. <laughs> well, the chicken looked good, but also, like, I would totally go to that museum. Oh, 100%. It's just, like, weird oddity museum. Again, right up my alley. In Bumblefuck, Texas, just... Like things and things like that don't exist anymore. You know, you're not gonna go down the street to the Shell gas station to fill up and be like, "Huh, I should check out this fucking uh, haunted house they've got back there." Boys, well, boys, sorry, go ahead. On that note, too, like, I I imagine if the three of us went on a road trip and saw Captain Spaulding's Murder Museum and Fried Chicken, we would go in and we would enjoy the show and we would play along with it. These teenagers went in and they were too into it. Like they were, they were like mocking it as they were going, trying to show how unscared they were, or at least uh, trying to pop the girls. Yeah, and they were just acting brave and macho and shitty about it. And I could see if if I was a murderous fried chicken making clown, and I saw these guys being jackassy, like he he told Rain Wilson, um, I'd want to. Send them over to the Firefly Funhouse, you know? <laughs> it's so funny. I was literally just about to say, boys, when this whole pandemic thing's over, we should totally hop in a car, go on a road trip to all these sideshow uh, attraction places and hopefully not get murdered. Well, that's a, like, that's also really fun. Like, I know there was a, um, there was like some Netflix show. Uh, Zisselman put me onto it, but it was like this guy investigating a bunch of really like fucked up like sites like that like there's some place in louisiana where these people are like oh hey we're vampires there's some place huh. in central america where um what's his name the, the cannibals the right? famous the famous drug dealer uh um, pablo escobar pablo escobar like it was like you could take a tour of pablo escobar's house with like uh his old right hand man and like there's one place you go to like uh not hiroshima but there was somewhere else where there was like a giant nuclear explosion. It was just like really fucked up things that you could go you check d- out. You're sure, talking about that dark tourist show on Netflix. Yes, the dark tourist. Dark yeah. tourist. Yeah, Dude, that show's so good. Exactly, and like there, there is like a certain, um, like charm to those places. It's fascinating, and it's it's interesting, and it's not stuff that you are normally you know around mm-hmm. and you're not familiar with. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, like I very much appreciate those kinds of places because with with just the way we've advanced like uh, people don't really care for those people much rather stay at home and like binge netflix and be on their yeah yeah. and be like on their tablets and stuff but i think there's a certain charm to that you even see now i mean granted it's because of the pandemic but like drive-ins are making a comeback yeah and dude i'm so stoked about that i was very upset like like last year, maybe the year before that, when like a lot of like the local drive-throughs or drive-ins that we had uh, started closing up, and I was like, "Man, that really sucks." Because like, obviously, like watching a movie in a drive-through isn't like the best way to watch a movie, but there's it's it's nostalgic and it's fun, and like you you know, there's just something you know awesome about it that I was like afraid that was gonna be gone forever. So it's pretty awesome to see that shit come back. Um, so. The, the two deputies, they eventually find the, the car that, you know, the kids were driving. They they find the keys in the ignition, open up the trunk, and find a dead cheerleader that has, like, trick-or-treat, I think, was what was, like, carved, carved into her. her. Uh, so they Pretty re- sweet reveal, I think. Yeah, they, they make their way to the Firefly Funhouse. I fucking did it. <laughs> uh, you have Sheriff Whitell go, you know, front of the house, and he's, like, trying to get... Um, 
Mother Firefly to to let him in so they can talk about things. And after some convincing, she's like, all right, come in. Um, Walt Goggins, I'm just calling Walt Goggins. Him and uh, Denise's dad, they go around back, like trying to, you know, see what they can find. They go into the shed, open it up, and... Boy, what do they find? Yeah, you know, it's uh, Mary fucking just like roped up and chained up. There's all these like cut up naked girls and very fucked up. Very, very like I wish I had another adjective aside from fucked up. Just a very gruesome sight to behold. Yeah, very gory. And like the dad starts throwing up. Um, Otis shows up and shoots them both in cold blood it is a very cool shot though oh god that like it was literally him on his knees and they pull back and it's like literally almost like a a minute of just like silence and then yeah i mean at this time too walt goggins he over the over the walkie he he tells sheriff white what's going on and he's like i I can't hear you mother firefly just shoots him in the temple uh or it was actually like in the throat yeah just straight yeah the neck yeah Um, but that actually sets up like the antagonist for the next film because, um, and I feel like we're gonna end up just talking about the next film. But you the end, just do a part two on no, the next one. Fuck it. Uh, but it's <laughs> it's his but... it's his brother in the second film who's like out for blood, and it's yeah, be- Sheriff Wydell. Yeah, specifically Mother Firefly because she's the one that murdered her brother, and like again, it was little things like this. Like clearly. You, you look if you've seen all the movies now it's like fun looking like oh yeah it's kind of like a little easter egg but i mean obviously at the time it you know we didn't know it was going to lead to all that um you know you it's later on at that uh there's like a what is it like a satanic ritual i guess something there yeah drag them out yeah. into the out into the field and there's yeah. like it looks so cool man they had like there, the the I think it was the tree that he, Dr. Satan was hung on, but underground that there was a lot of like small little crosses and little fires going everywhere. Really quick before that, like after this, after uh, Denise's dad is murdered, Otis cuts, cuts him up, cuts off his face, cuts off his chest. Uh, They dress up um, Mary, Denise and Jerry. There's only three that are still alive. They dress them up as bunny rabbits and have them like, Tied together and the yeah, or something hanging, kind of, kind of like hogtied together around a thing. And uh, Bill or uh, what's his name Otis just comes down and he's dressed like this woman's decapitated dad. And he's like, "Oh, look at me! G- give me a kiss, sweetie! Give me a kiss!" And it's give daddy a kiss. Oh. Yeah, but after this is yeah, when they take him out to the tree where um, Doctor Satan was hung, and Mary makes a run for it. Baby goes chasing after her. Uh, doesn't make it she shoots her up and or not stabs, she stabs her. her she stabs her and starts like licking the blood off the knife again like these are fucked up people you know think think the hills have eyes except not like like deformed looking yeah they're hot blondes instead of like gross mutants um they eventually submerge jerry and denise into the well into a well with like creepy music playing, they they attach like a lantern and there's like creepy music just like yeah. whoa, 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 like weird like noises, weird chanting almost. They submerge them in a coffin and these like what would you call it, mutants? I don't. I literally was like, what the fuck is going on? Because it was like like these weird like I don't, I would even just say that they're like fucking like damned souls that are just mm-hmm. coming up from the from the depths of hell to pull them down. Yeah, they but, like they almost look like orcs from those uh from yeah, Lord, from of Lord of the, the Rings, Rings movies. movies. 
they they break into the coffin they pull jerry out and run away with him and denise is kind of like fuck what do i do and there's this whole underground cavern like tunnels and everything and she's falling there's a very very creepy scene where she's like walking and then she sees who she thinks is jerry because again they're dressed in these bunny outfits and she's like oh my god are you still alive like are you good and it's just this like homeless looking dude just doesn't speak doesn't say anything just doesn't utter a word and then from behind her it's like another weird looking mutant dude they just like grab her and they start shaking her around yeah. and shit. And, and they they rip yeah. her they rip her out of the bunny costume, so she's just left and like a, she was wearing a dress or something. Um, you know they they fuck off, they leave her alone. She goes down this like long hallway that looks almost like uh, the catacombs in France, where it's just. I wonder if that was like where like the name House of a Thousand Corpses comes from because it was just like this long winding like road of like corpses yeah just like different decapitated skulls these like weird this dude opens up like a this giant armored gate and you see all these like people they're almost like vegetables at this point they're like in a vegetative state watching tv watching tv and like eating what looks like just like gruel maybe cereal (laughs) and then then you see them because all this whole movie and i mean we said it up front dr Satan is in it but this whole movie, you hear of Doctor Satan, the legend of Doctor Satan, and there he is performing, uh, like almost not dissect. It was like vivisect. I mean, he's still alive. Yeah. Um, like yeah. just performing these these things on on Jerry, you know. And it's just like he's very frail and thin looking. Has very held f- together. He looks like uh, uh, what the hell did I say he looked like? Hmm. He he kind of. He kind of looked like the the scientist from Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, <laughs> but yeah. he was like had like metal like like spider arms like holding him up and shit, something like that. Yeah, so you know you see him performing on him, and then you see Earl come out again. It's a mother Firefly's ex husband who burned poor Tiny. Um, but you see him come out, and again he, at this point it, it's not distinguishable. It, it is Rob Zombie playing the role, but he's just no, no, that's cool. Yeah, he's this weird, gross-like mutant because even now he starts. He chases Denise. He's with an axe. She finds herself in this like lone hallway, and she's just fucked. Like there, there's no way for her to get out. And he takes off his mask, and he's like, his skin's all red, and he has this gross pus coming out of his mouth. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Yeah, very gross. Very gross-looking, but he swings his axe, accidentally knocks down like part of the roof, so the roof caves in on him. She climbs her way out from the top. You think she escaped. Oh, my God. You know, she made her way out. She's all fucked up, like all bloody, all fucked up. She's just walking down a lone road. And then uh, a red a red fucking car with its with its top down, convertible, drives by, and it's Captain Spaulding. She's like, oh, he's like, what the hell happened to you, girl? And she just gets in the car, and she's like, please, I, I need to go to the hospital. Like. I, yeah. I need a hospital. And he's like, all right. And she gets in the car and he's like, just relax, put your head back, relax. And she's like, all right. Does that. And as he's driving away, boom, out comes fucking, uh, what's Otis. his, Oh, Otis. And then, you know, you cut to her and she's strapped to fucking Dr. Satan's operating table and just screams out, you know, these blood curling screams and, um, the end dude. I, so I kind of wish that it just ended with him sitting up in the back seat and just was yeah. like go faded black because that would have been like obviously it's implied that she's fucked now. You didn't have to. You didn't really have to show 
next, but I'm not, I'm not saying it was bad, but. Uh, and, and, and the smart thing about that too is now Captain Spaulding is implicitly part of the whole scheme, right? Like yeah. now he was Otis and you're like, Oh, he did this on purpose. He's not just some separate weirdo. Which again, like it's most clowns in film tend to be like on the evil side. Like I can't really think of any like, Oh, this is a good clown. Even Krusty the Clown's not that great. Exactly. Even yeah, you have someone like Krusty the Clown who is a fucking giant piece of shit for the most part. You know, it's it's on there like, oh haha, he's a character in the Simpsons, but like remember he sold his daughter's violin because he had a gambling problem? What an asshole. Yeah. His estranged daughter, I may add. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the movie ends there. Like, how do, how do you guys feel overall about the movie? Like, clearly it's not, you know, Oscar contender movie, but, like, what, what about what about you, Dave? What, how do you feel about the movie? So, like, I'm I'm a big fan of it. Um, to me, the, the thing is full of, like, weird, like, plot holes and uh, maybe some implausible things that happen. Um the the one thing I will say that I kind of don't, I don't like the ending that much. Um, and part of it is because, um, the, the whole scene where they're doing the ritual and then they go to Dr. Satan's tree, it, it almost seems like it switches into a different movie. Yeah. It almost seems like shoehorned in there just to like but get him because, on camera. But that's because it is. So like Rob Zombie filmed an ending he was running out of money and because uh, it was a very low budget film and he was banking on if if I'm just going to film this shitty ending, I'm going to show it to the studio and then the studio is going to say, no, 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 we can't end the movie like this. We'll give you more money. So th- that was more of a function of they th- they threw more money at him to, to redo the ending. And then it it kind of goes off the rails, like into like cra- crazy land. <laughs> Like um, it, it, it kind of moves the movie in a in a like a, oh like this is real like slasher kind of stuff to yeah. to like a more supernatural uh, yeah. vibe that like oh this is like oh there's like weird like magic shit happening now. Do you know what the original? Yeah. What, do you know what that original ending was? I I I don't remember. Like I uh, I probably should have looked up Wikipedia before I got here. But um, no he. he he didn't seem like he was very happy with it, though. Like he knew he was intentionally showing something shitty to get more money. Like it uh, wasn't it wasn't something that he was like proud of. It was just like, all right, we'll just do this, and then like, we'll go. From he's there. like, I gotta, I gotta finish the mo- movie one way or another. Um, but I, I will say, so like, I, um, there were times in the movie where it was more style than substance, and it, it works for the most part. Like. Um, some of the, some of the most iconic things that we think of, you know, the Sherry Moon and we got um, Captain Spaulding. Like, you know, a lot of people have seen Captain Spaulding, don't even know who he is. Um, but oddly enough, not a lot of people remember the movie for Doctor Satan, who should be the most like outrageous character. Like, he's a mechanical spider, like weird <laughs> scientist man, and. And, and all those people there, I'm a, and they don't really explain a lot of his backstory that much. Those are all people from the mental hospital that he worked at and experimented on that they wanted they wanted to kill him and hang him for. Um, I'm assuming those are all failed experiments on his part. So, well, like you, you like uh, to touch on Doctor Satan. 
um, like we never see more of him because he there there's a deleted scene for the Devil's Rejects, um, which like I don't know. So the deleted scene in it itself is uh, um, Rosario Dawson because again they for the the beginning of uh, the Devil's Rejects, it's all these policemen raiding the house. You know, yeah. Uh, Otis and um, Baby and Tiny get away, uh, but everyone else either gets like shot up or arrested. In the case of the mother Firefly, um, it's actually played by a different actress. But yes, um, she's the hot cop from Police Academy. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so they arrest. They in theory arrest Doctor Satan because there's a deleted scene where they're at the hospital and like you see Doctor Satan. He's in a hospital bed. And there is a, a cop like watching him, and you know Rosario doesn't comes in. She's a nurse, and the cops kind of just like, oh, okay, so I got tickets to. Uh, he's, is, I think he says like the Almond Brothers. You know, he's like, yeah, I got tickets for like the Almond Brothers. You know, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> kind of just you know trying to smooth talk his way into a date with Rosario Dawson. Which hey, who can blame the guy, right? Oh. Um, but after that, it's like his uh. She goes over to check on Dr. Satan. He just, like, wakes up and rips her throat out. Like, just cool. fully, yeah, leans over, rips her throat Roadhouse out. style. Yeah, and she's just, like, on the floor, like, you know, holding her throat. Um, cut it out, because I guess it really wouldn't have fit in with the film. Because, again, like, it's more of, like, a, it's, it's just it wouldn't have fit in there tonally. And you just never hear from him mm-hmm. ever again. And in so in the, in the third movie, the the... the what is the devil's three, the three from hell. Hell, yeah. I wasn't a fan of it specifically because uh, devil's rejects ends with this giant shootout. Like goes that they have a perfect ending. Like I, I would, I would say like my, probably one of my favorite endings to, to any movie because you have these outlaws who've just been outrunning everyone and they're not, they're not good guys by any means. They keep doing horrible very fucked up things the whole movie. I think they killed DDP at one point, you know, so, and DDP's the nicest, so you should hate them. Um, but by the end of the fucking movie, you have Freebird playing, and, like, I find myself every time, like, oh, find a way to get out. You know, get through that police barricade and get out, and um, they get shot the fuck up. Clearly don't in the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, in Three from Hell, there was a whole thing where like, how do you bring these characters back? Because he said it's a sequel. It's it's not a prequel so where, you you know, you can kind of cheat and tell another story with these characters. He's like, no, 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 it is it is straight up a sequel. And I know me thinking, I was like, well, how the fuck is he going to bring them back? Because maybe, you, may, hey, maybe you have, they, they get, you know, they're dead and you have fucking Dr. Satan bring them back. You know, he technically doesn't exist in, right. in the second movie because it was a deleted scene. I was like, or maybe, you know, he has all these other movies with different mythologies. Again, there's that, like, Lord of Salem, which is, like, a witchy movie. And I was like, maybe he has witches bring him back. Um, no, it was just... oh, They survived. They just survived. Like, the, the, the newscast at the beginning of Three from Hell is like, um, there's a one in a million chance that you would survive that many shots. Uh, these, <laughs> uh, these three people survived. Fuck it, man. Yeah, like, just... Just go, just lean into it. If you're going to use them against, it's like, all right, they have to like magically survive. So here you go. It very much reminds me of WWE storytelling where, um, like you'll have 
like the start of a story like right now there's like the whole retribution thing going on and there's so many people online who are like they can go down this way with the story they can tell this story with it they can do this this and that odds are they are i mean WWE is not going to use any of that mm-hmm. you know but it's 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 always it's always easy to what is it um arm to be the armchair quarterback and uh yeah, like the ending of devil's rejects was like michael jordan hitting the final shot of his last game as a bull and three from hell is him, him coming back as a wizard. <laughs> per- perfect analogy. You, you ruined a perfect ending. Just you didn't need it. Uh, Nick, what are, what are your final thoughts and feelings on the movie? Um, I, so like I said, I watched it with my girlfriend and she very much was just like, not for me. Not, I don't really like this kind of movies, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, and, and the shit she said, like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, I won't say that you're wrong for feeling that way because I could definitely see that. But I was like, this movie was certainly for people that seek out movies like this. And I think if this is something that you're into and this is a, a style of movie that you like, you're going to like this movie. I, I genuinely enjoyed it, uh, watching it for the first time, apparently. <laughs> and uh, I just was like, oh, it's, 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 it was very fun and silly uh, it wasn't really scary at any point, but it was like gory enough. And, and honestly, I kind of expected more gore out of Rob Zombie in his first movie. Like I figured he would go balls deep with some like really fucked up shit. And there is a lot of like like pretty uh, rough stuff in the in the movie. But like, uh, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the music in it. Obviously, Rob Zombie being a musician himself, putting a lot of like his own like I don't know if he has any of his own songs in the movie, but. Uh, he's. Sure. Uh, I know. I know he composed. He helped compose the score. So yeah, there's no like. Uh, uh, what's it, what's the name of his band? Ro- uh, what, I mean, he white, Rob white, Zombie and the White Zombie. White Zombie. Yeah, that. like there's no White Zombie in it or in any Rob Zombie originals, but he did compose the score. I do appreciate uh, him improving, uh, improving, including uh, some Ramon songs in the in the movie. He's a big. He's mm-hmm. an avid Ramones fan. Oh yeah. So that yeah. was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I wish I would have known b- before that I'd never seen it before, but Hey, it was okay. I enjoyed it. I know for me again, this and devil's rejects are two movies that I much like Dave, I've constantly had to rebuy, but more so because, um, I tend to just like lend them to people. Um, my friend Paula, I've twice lent her copies of devil's rejects and, uh i've never never received them back back. but it's fine like i you know it's one of those movies that again it's not the departed where i'm like holy shit you have to sit down and watch this it's great it's got critical acclaim and you know won all these awards by no means no but it's fun It, it it's like an hour and a half hour and 40 maybe um it's it's a fun movie like from beginning to end it's it's just trippy like it's really trippy like Dave, you mentioned how the ending is just kind of it, you know, it it goes uh it goes just a whole different direction, and yeah. I feel like for a lot of the movie, it is kind of just it almost feels like you're on um like you're on that ride that they went on, you know, and and uh Captain Spaulding's museum where you're just kind of going and going, and then oh okay, here are these other random serial killers, then here's fucking Doctor Satan, yeah. uh you know the, the weird fucking zombie. Who, looking dude who performed in all, all these fucked up experiments on mental patients but like 
I always recommend this movie to people. Um, again, it's it's very much like Nick you mentioned that up front. It's his taste. It, it's everything that that he's into just turned up to ten. And like, if you've sat through this and you haven't seen the movie and you're kind of on the fence, I hope that you would go and watch it. You know, it's available like on Netflix and Hulu, but definitely recommend it. Like, if you haven't seen any of his other movies, go and check those out as well because. Definitely, like, that first Halloween that he did and Devil's Rejects. Like, Devil's Rejects I will talk about until I'm blue in the face about because (laughs) it's so good. And, again, like, it very much feels like just a completely different movie by the time you start watching it. Yeah, and here's the magic, too, of what Rob Zombie does over the course of these two movies. Like, he he said in an interview that, like, he didn't give a shit about the kids. And, like, Universal really kind of wanted it to be focused on the kids. And he's like, I know that no one in that audience is going to give a shit about those four kids. So he takes all these characters and throughout both movies, they do the most despicable, disgusting shit, just deplorable. And by the end of Devil's Rejects, you feel sorry for them. (laughs) So like just the way he crafts them as characters and, um, you know, by the time Devil's Rejects hits, all the all the stuff he's learned about making movies and crafting like a more coherent story, um, you end up really feeling sorry for these characters, and that's kind of weird in like a serial killer cult, you know, murder movie. But he pulls it off pretty well. I I like that you mentioned that about like ultimately the movies come back around to it, it's about them. It's these fucked up like. Yeah. murderers they've done nothing from I don't think there's a lick of good that any of these yeah. people do you know like if like if we have to make a, a pro and cons list of why are they good people and why are they bad people I, I don't think there's going to be anything in the good list because mm-hmm. um, you like, stick together that's about it <laughs> yeah I mean maybe maybe you can even say like uh Captain Spaulding's the less evil because he at least tells the cops like, "Hey, this is where these kids are." Because he could just be like, "Yeah, I don't know." Like, uh, "Oh, they went this way," but no, he leads them to them because again, he knows that like they don't stand a fucking chance. They're just gonna get killed. And like uh, when you go into the second movie, one might even be like, "Oh, it probably would have been smarter of him to lead them down the wrong way because, um, they're like." them them They're killing yeah, yeah them them killing uh fucking what's his name sheriff Wydell leads to you know ultimately like most of their family dying in the second film um but yeah i mean like listen otis like i my favorite character of all this is clearly captain spaulding yes right like absolutely he's the coolest but again there is just something to otis like he always just has like the best dialogue and it's just, he's clearly the, the smarter of all of them. There's like a specific line in the second movie actually, where he's, he, they take the two, they take two guys out into the desert, kills one of them. And then he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you too. And the guy's saying something. He's like, listen, the next shit out of your mouth better be some fucking Mark Twain shit. Cause it's going to be etched on like your tombstone. And it's just lines like that where it's like, <laughs> man, you are, ter- you are truly a terrible, deplorable person because you just molested this guy's wife in front of him, and now you're you're gonna kill him. You're letting him know that you're gonna kill him, and you're forcing him to like, what are your final words? Because this is what I'm gonna etch on your fucking tombstone. And still, he's very 
Manson-esque in both movies. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, And still, at the end of it, I'm like, let him get away. Come on. Find a way, buddy. Come on, just, just find, find a way. way. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, I guess that was House of a Thousand Corpses. Clearly a thumbs up from the three of us. Uh, I give it five and a half bags of popcorn. Five and a half bags of popcorn. There you go for Matt Nicks. Uh, well, Nick, thank you for joining us on this. Like full transparency, Dave and I had no idea how this would go, as this is our first time us doing anything aside from sitting around and talking uh, Watchmen or the boys. You know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, thank you again, Nick. And uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on the interwebs at uh, at the Matt Nicks. T-H-E-M-A-T-T-K-N-I-C-K-S. That's on both Instagram and Twitter. And that's pretty much all you really need to know. Anything about me, I, I tweet a lot. Uh, I do have my own podcast sometimes. Uh, it's My Violet Tendencies. You can find that on pretty much everywhere. Uh, and you can follow it on Twitter at My Violet Podcast. There, um, yeah. There's a very fun episode that Dave and I did with you where uh, Dave tells a story of uh, Big Worm. What was his name? Was that his name? Oh, yeah, Sherman, Big Worm. <laughs> yeah, Sherman, yeah, his buddy Big Worm. Uh, but thank you so much. And guys, if you enjoyed this episode, there's three more coming. So if you hated this episode, well, guess what? There's also three more coming. So <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, so it sucks for you. But uh, until next time, you guys, I've been Scrump. This is Tank. And I'm Murderous Matt Nix. Uh, no Kenny Omega this week, but uh, I'll find something spooky to put at the end. Ooh. Ooh. Do, 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 do. <laughs>